Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. We've been talking about this series, The Church Has Left the Building. And, and as a staff, we've been kind of going over it and just, it, it's just amazing how the Holy Spirit orchestrates things and, and we see how, how he's tied all these different messages together and the unique personalities and the unique, unique messages that each one of us carry as pastors. And it just come together as this beautiful tapestry, so to speak, uh, of how he wants us to live with a, a, a mindset, a missional mindset that when we leave these doors, that we're entering our mission field. That's what this, this message is all, all about. This series is all about. And I think, I think he's challenging some of us. As I was praying about this morning, you know, some of us are in this place of living in survival mode of all the different things that have gone on in the past, I would say two years now, and it, it's just continued to grow that, that there's so much chaos and turmoil going on in the world around us. <laughs> but Jesus lives inside of us. And, and some of us find ourselves in this, in this place of, of, of just trying to manage everything that's going on, everything that's going on in the world, everything that's going on in our personal lives. And I, I think through this series, he's trying to challenge us to step out of survival mode and step into Jesus mode. <laughs> to, to step into to, uh, making disciples of nations. Amen? So the last several weeks, we had uh, the first week, Pastor Jana was talking about wisdom. And how we need to have the mind of Christ to transform the world around us. Uh, the second week, I talked about how we uh, are going through a transition as a church. We need to transform the church by being a transformed people. And, and, and we need to transition from building the church to building the kingdom, right? Pastor Jana talked about keeping the fire on the altar alive of coming into this place to fan the flame in our hearts and then taking the fire wherever we go. Last week, or sorry, the week after that, I talked about the transformed city and loving the city. You can't transform something that you're not willing to love. And then last week, Pastor Chris Challenge us to live sacrificially, to love sacrificially, just like Jesus did. How many were here last, last Sunday and heard that message? How many of you filled out your little card? We got a few in there. There you go, waving your hand. I know I made, a, I made, a, I made an attempt. I probably got like five of the days where I, where I purposely did something uh, that, was, that was out of the normal to, to bless my wife. And... It was amazing what the fruit was, even just in our, like, our marriage is good, but it was just awesome last week because of that, right? Um, and so if you have testimonies of what, what the Lord did through that, uh, let one of us know. So we want to share that. But today, I want to I challenge us a little bit in a different way. I want us to challenge us to, to think bigger. I want to challenge our mindsets a little bit 
And, and, and you can see through this series how things have been building and, and what the Lord has been building in me personally is this, this transformation of ourselves, this, this transformation of the church, this transformation of, of the city. And today, I want to talk to you about the transformation of nations. The transformation of nations. I think we need to broaden our perspective. God wants us to think bigger. <laughs> If you read through the word, you can, you can see all these references to, to the nations. And, and when I was thinking about that, it's like, okay, you know, Psalm 139, you individually are on God's mind. He knows the hairs on your head. He, he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, all of those things. So he knows you individually and, and you're on his mind, but so are the nations, there, there's all these references to the nations. And if, if nations are on the Father's mind, I want them to be on my mind. If nations are on the Father's mind, I want them to be my, on my mind. We need to be, start believing for nations to be saved, nations to be transformed, while still believing for the individuals in front of us. Let's go to Psalm chapter 2. This will be a familiar passage for many of you. Verses one through nine. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy people. I will proclaim to the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. And this psalm is a prophetic psalm speaking of Jesus. This is the Father speaking to Jesus. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. You are my son, and today I've become your father. It sounds familiar to the words that the people heard in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, when, when Jesus was baptized. They heard this voice from heaven saying, Yeah, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased, right? It's talking about Jesus and the nations of this world are his inheritance. The nations of this world are his inheritance. And we see another really neat thing in, in, chapter, or in verse four. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. And sometimes we can look at the things going around in our world. We can look at the conflict and the war in, in Ukraine and Russia and heaven's perspective is, is, is he laughs at he laughs at the plots of world leaders. Like he's not he's not worried about it. He's concerned about it, but he's not worried about it. The nations plot in vain. Especially the nations that plot against his his beloved ones. But Jesus, his inheritance of the nations. And the, and the Bible tells us that someday they're all going to come and bow before him. 
The nations are his inheritance. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15 says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The nations belong to Jesus, and he reigns now and forevermore. And sometimes I think, I think we forget about the now part and, and we throw up our, our hands and say, well, Jesus is going to set everything right when he comes back. He will absolutely do that. But his kingdom is here. His kingdom is now. When Jesus came, we, we, we read in the gospels that he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. He came when he came to earth. You know, God put on flesh, came the son of man. He came to inaugurate his kingdom and his kingdom hasn't ever stopped. It's just growing and growing and growing until the end of time when he comes back and and all the nations, all the kingdoms of the world would become his kingdom. The kingdom of darkness is being destroyed by his people, that's us, co-laboring with him to see salvation, wholeness, and healing happen over nations. Again, we need to think nations because they're on his mind and his heart. Let's get this. In Romans eight seventeen, it, it tells us that we are heirs of God, co-heirs of Christ. And we just learned what what is his inheritance? The nations of the world. If we're co-heirs, what is our inheritance? Nations of this world. It also says that if we, we would share in his sufferings in order that we can share in his glory. And sometimes we forget the second part of that verse. And, and, and receiving, giving, bringing Jesus his inheritance of the nations and, and, and the receiving of, of nations ourselves doesn't mean it's going to be easy. So how do we help Jesus receive that inheritance? We are to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We are ambassadors. You all are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Your citizenship is not of this world. Your citizenship is of heaven, and you are an ambassador wherever you go. And this isn't the main focus of what I want to share today, but we absolutely need to fast and we need to pray over nations. Isaiah 56, that's the scripture on which we, we based our, the name of our house of prayer, joy, joyful house of prayer on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. It says, it says, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. I was reading a book this week. Uh, it's called Shaping History Through Fasting and Prayer. It's by Derek Prince. And he tells this story of this small convention about, of about 200 missionaries. Uh, and this was, I think, 1960. And, and when they were meeting there, this powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit came. And the Lord spoke to them about praying over their country because it was entering a critical period of their history. And so they prayed, they, uh, you know, I, I think it was a few hours, and they felt this release in the spirit. And then later, Derek Prince followed up on this and, and, and saw 
the history of the nation and how it had, had changed. And he felt it was like, it was a result of what we did in that meeting, how there had been a military coup that had tried to take over the country, but the existing uh, president was able to navigate through that without issues and how Kenya became a light to many of the nations around it where there was so much to- uh, turmoil in Tanzania, Uganda, and Somalia. And it's really interesting today, I looked at this statistic, uh, 85% of Kenyans identify themselves as Christians. Isn't that amazing? That's more than the, than the United States, which some, some people say 65 to 75% identify as Christians. So it's amazing what fasting and prayer can do for a nation. So fast and pray for the nations and for our nation. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. This is a familiar verse or passage to all of you. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Letting your light shine actually means that we are to engage in culture and bring, bring the kingdom of God, demonstrate the kingdom of God instead of hiding our light. And sometimes I think we can hide our light in, in becoming content and going to church and going through the motions of what we think it means to be a Christian. But we need to see everything we do, uh, our jobs, our family, our shopping, all of those things as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. There is no line. This is, this is where sometimes I think we get mixed up is we, we put this divide between everything we do on Sundays or Wednesdays or, or whatever with the rest of our life. But, but in God, there's, there's no line between sacred, sacred, sacred and secular. Sacred and secular. There's no division in the kingdom. And, and, and I think sometimes we've created that line and, and we, need to, we need to break that barrier. We need to break that wall and see everything that we do is unto the Lord. Everything that you do outside of this, this church is, is your ministry. It's your ministry. We need to realize that having a vocational ministry like, like Pastor Jana and myself and Pastor Chris do, it's not the pinnacle of the Christian walk. I think we talk, we talk about it a lot, but someone needs to hear today that if you are on fire for, for God, I, I experienced this myself when I was in, in college, you know, I was, I was so hungry for God and, and I felt I had a calling on my life and I thought my choices were, well, I could be a missionary, I could be a worship pastor or a worship leader, or I could be a, uh, a campus pastor or a pastor. And it was just like, oh, those are my choices now. Like my, my vocational fields have, have narrowed down because I, I love Jesus a lot. And, and that's absolutely not the case. Like he wants all of you, whatever you're doing, <laughs> to be a light. To put it in cultural terms, each one of you is a kingdom influencer and everywhere you place your feet is your platform. Some of the younger generation, 
might need to stop trying to build a platform on social media and realize that your platform is your life lived out in front of the people around you. We need voices everywhere that proclaim and demonstrate by the power of the Holy Spirit the good news of the gospel. You are missionaries wherever you are at. We don't need more Christian businesses, but we need more Christians in business doing whatever, doing whatever they see the Father doing. I just interviewed Dr. Ted this week, and, and he was talking about his medical practice, and he was just like, I just do whatever God says. I, I just try to be obedient, and it takes all the pressure off of me. Some of you needed to hear that. Go into your workplaces and just do what the Father says. Ask him before you walk in. Pray, pray for your businesses. Pray for your workplaces. Every one of you is called to be an intercessor for wherever you work. I learned this the last couple of years I, I worked as an engineer, and it was just amazing what, what happened when I actually took responsibility in prayer for the place that I worked. Many years ago, I read a book that changed my perspective. It was called God Out of the Box, and it was by Chuck Rip, Ripka, and he was a banker. It was actually in Elk River, Minnesota. And there's, just, there's an amazing transformation that happened among the, the business world in that city. But if, if you just read that book, and it's the same thing. It's the story of this banker who just tried to follow whatever God said, and just amazing fruit happened. And, and he actually, you know, he gained influence in, in education. He was, uh, I remember a story about uh, one of the schools. There was just so many suicides and attempted suicides happening in the schools. And, and um, they, they heard about Chuck, who, who liked to pray um, as an intercessor. And so they led him and a bunch of the um, intercessors into the school to walk and pray through the school. And they saw a change in, in a, a decrease in, in the amount of suicide and attempted suicide and depression and all those things happened because of the prayer. He might, be, he might be calling you to do something like that. We need more people engaging in, in the political and governmental realm, running for office, working for justice and righteousness in our nation. But we need to remember that our nation is not saved through a political party. It's not saved through a president. Only Jesus can do that. I'm not trying to be harsh, but there's a problem with our priorities. If people can more easily see our allegiance to a political party than they can to Jesus. Amen. I could say the same for a sports team. <laughs> Maybe that hits closer to home for some of you. <sighs> or let me put it this way. When a certain party is in presidential office, no matter what it is for you, we say, our work is done. That tells us that we are focused on political ideals instead of on the gospel. Don't get me wrong, we need to protect our freedoms. We need to work for biblical morals and values in our society. But I think, and we need to engage, we need to vote, we need to run for office, all of those things. We also need to do it through media and entertainment. In our country, a democracy, I think the laws and, and policies that we're seeing now that are anti-biblical in their nature are just the fruit of media and entertainment from 20, 30 years ago. 
We need to figure out how to influence culture instead of having to react to it. And I used to think that the way that you transform a business or you transform a city or a nation was to, to take over, to work your way up into a position of leadership and then take dominion for Jesus. But then I realized that's how the kingdoms of this world work. The kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. In Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. If you want to transform something from your family to a nation, your heart has to be postured to serve it. I have a story of this that in my previous career as an engineer, one of the places that I work for, there's this time where, where there, the culture had just turned bad. That's all I can say. Um, and it, it bothered me. I was up at night for several nights in a row uh, you know, people were just worried about their jobs. There's this kind of like domineering thing going on. And, and it, I, I just, I was so bothered by it. And so finally I wrote this long letter and we had this, this way that we could submit comments, you know, and most of the time it's like, oh, I want, you know, a different kind of toilet paper or all these different things. And, but I was just like, I wrote this, I just prayed and I wrote this letter like, is it, do you realize what, what culture has, has, is occurring in our company. Is this really who we want to be? How are we going to change this? All these different things. And, and so at one of our company-wide meetings, they, they read the letter and, and the CEO took, I don't know, 20 minutes just to talk about the whole thing. And, and finally, after that, I went into his office and, and started sharing my heart, like why I wrote this. And, and we just talked over a bunch of different things. And, and there, were, there was a change. There was a, a change in perspectives, a change in, in attitudes, and, um, at least for, for a, a time. And um, let me submit to you, if, if my superiors, if my bosses didn't realize that my heart was to serve them, if they didn't see me working as hard as I could every day, they didn't see me on the days when I came in early or stayed late or, or whatever, all those different things, they wouldn't have been able to receive it. And, and you guys need to put yourselves in that position of, of serving your superiors. So when, when the time comes, for you to, to step out, to stand out, to speak for whatever it is, they need to know your heart to serve. We see this in the stories of Daniel and his friends and Joseph. They were in positions of influence, but they served their kings and their nations. You, you know, most of their kings, well, all of them were pagan, but they found out who the God of Israel was through the actions of, of individuals. They didn't compromise, but they served and they used the wisdom of heaven to bring transformation. That's what he's calling you to do. 
He told us to, to go and make disciples of nations. We need to fall in love with them. We need to fall in love with nations because Jesus is in love with them. Back to the phrase I mentioned at the beginning, live your life so that he may receive his reward. I started researching that. It was like something is familiar about that. And I, and I, I found it was, it was the rallying cry of the Moravian movement. The rallying cry of the Moravian movement was, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And if you're not familiar with the Moravian movement, in 1727, there's this Count Nicholas, Count Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf, who had all this land, and he gathered people together and almost, he created this like uh, giant Christian commune, so to, so to speak, but it was a good commune. And, and they spent their time uh, praying and worshiping 24-7 for 100 years. And out of this, this prayer and worship that happened, they, they, they started a missions movement that changed the world. Five years after the, the prayer meeting started in 1732, the first two missionaries left uh, for the island of St. Thomas. And, and that phrase, they uttered that, the, the story goes, they were on the boat and they lifted their hands and they, they said that, may, may the lamb that was slain uh, receive the reward of his suffering as they as they left their families on the shore. And they thought they, had, they were going to go to St. Thomas and, and become slaves. They were willing to become slaves for the gospel. Twenty-two of the first 29 missionaries died that were sent out from the Moravian movement. But by the time Zinzendorf, Zinzendorf died in 17. Uh, 60, I believe it was, 226 missionaries had been sent to 10 different countries. And this was like just following a really dark period in, in, in Europe. And I read that more, more missionaries had been sent out in that 20 to 30 years from the Moravian movement than the previous 200 in all of Protestant um, denominations. Isn't that amazing? There's some of you in this, in this place right now who have been and who are called to the nations. And all of you are called to the nation that we're in right now. The, the reward, the lamb that was slain, the reward of his suffering is the nations. And the reward of his suffering is you. We need to live our lives focused on bringing him his reward. There's nothing else that matters. There's nothing else that matters. And sometimes we get frustrated when we're inconvenienced for Jesus. But he's, he's laid down his life and he's asked us to lay down our lives for him. I started waking up in the morning and asking, Jesus, how can I bring you your reward today? The beautiful thing is, that the nations are his reward, we are his reward, and he is our reward. Jesus is your reward. He's all you need. 
Revelation 5, verses 6 through 10. I'm going to leave you with this. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out in all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com.